All right, if you guys can open up your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 is where we're going to be. Tripping hazard. Okay. All right. Um, all right, sweet. So I want to open up with a quick question. Uh, is anybody in here still afraid of the dark? Just honest. Just be honest. I got a couple hands. Still afraid of the dark. Some people don't want to be that honest this morning. It's okay. We're not, we're not taking pictures. We're not posting things up. That's not how we roll. Yeah, so uh, growing up, I was, you know, I was a little afraid of the dark. Yeah, I was afraid of the dark. But I wouldn't tell anyone I was afraid of the dark, right? I just, I would tell people that I'm afraid of the things that could be in the dark, right? So that was kind of my like clever seven-year-old brain like going like, I'm not afraid of the dark. The dark, super lame. But you know, what's in the dark, like that's what we need to be worried about, right? Right? You know, so it didn't work. And, uh, um, and so we all recognize that fear as kids. Um, I remember I would like kind of like to scare myself. And in my old garage, we had a TV and a couch. And I would like go in there and like watch like arachnophobia at night, like by myself, like in the dark, freaking out. Like there's those people who like watching scary movies by themselves in the dark. You know who you are. You got issues. And that's why you're here. Jesus loves you. Um, and so, you know, the dark, it can be a scary thing. Um, I now have three boys. My two oldest ones have had to overcome their fear of the dark. Well, they're still working on it. Um, and, you know, but it could be a little frustrating if you're a parent, you know, because you're like, hey, can you go grab that thing, you know, from that room over there? And they're like, they get to the hallway and it's dark and they look back at you and you're like, dude, just, it's five feet to the light switch. Just go down the hall. I'm like super comfortable on the couch. Like, you want me to get up, walk you? Okay. You know, and so there's these moments and, but there's moments I'm like, no, 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 you need to get over it. Just go down the hallway, turn on the light, please. You got it. And they're like, full on, like breaking down in the hallway. I'm like, dude, you're two. Grow up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no. Yeah, but it, it kind of lasts a little longer than that. Um, and so, you know, the older one is able to kind of help the younger one overcome his fear a little bit. And so the older one's now um, brave enough. He's the big boy on campus, right? And he's able to at least get to the light switch, turn on lights, kind of help everybody out. And so uh, the crazy thing is this, is that as we get older, uh, we become less fearful of the dark, most of us. Some of us, we saw you raise your hands, we know who you are. Um, but, you know, we become less fearful of the dark. And what happens is we end up becoming less cautious and more confident um, in the dark because of our experience in darkness. But see, we don't just see this in dark rooms. We also see this happen spiritually, morally in our lives. And even in human history, right, where, where peoples and, and civilizations, where they became less cautious of darkness, more comfortable in dark spaces, ended up living in darkness rather than the light. We see this in the Bible with the, with the nation of Israel who was supposed to reflect God's light to the nations but ended up walking in the dark. We see it in America where, where prayer used to be normal in the classroom. Traditional marriage was upheld. Or where protecting life in the womb was standard, where, where parents had rights over their kids' medical decisions, or where we were a nation under God. Now let me be clear, right, America was never a Christian nation because God never established Christian nations after the cross. He established his people, the church, to be the embassy of Christ to the world. But America did have a large Christian population, and so there was a Christian emphasis on policies, right, and, and morals, and, and they, they were upheld for a while. But as you can see now, that, uh, that influence is becoming less effective, and, and we're starting to kind of dim as a nation as we walk more into darkness. Deeper than politics is the human heart. 
Darkness can creep into our own lives, into our homes. We see it in marriages. We see it in our youth. And what happens is we allow darkness to kind of become the norm, and, and, and we get used to hiding things in the dark, engaging in dark behavior where it becomes more and more comfortable, and we just learn to adjust. And a lot of times we don't even realize how much darkness we're letting in. So more than ever do we need light. Do we need the light of God, the light of life to come into our life, even as believers still, and expose some things in our lives. And so today we're going to see Jesus' claim to be the light of the world and how it should change our lives, how it should affect us as we follow him and as we engage the world. So let's read it. John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. Now, this is a long passage. We're going to read a lot of verses right now, so please hang tight. Um, we've been getting complaints that we're going through the book of John too slow, so this is your fault. Um, and so hang with me. If you got the Bible app, if you don't got a physical Bible, pull out your phone, Bible app, App Store, Google Play Store, whatever. Download it quick, because um, here we go. Chapter 8, verse 12. Um, they're also going to be up on the slides. Gotcha. Okay, it says this. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying... I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I'm not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone in it, but I am the Father who sent me. Even in your law it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. And he said to them, I go away and you, will, and you will seek me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says where I am going, you cannot come. And he, and he was saying to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me and has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We pray that this morning that you would open up our hearts and our minds to the glory of Christ, to the reality of who Jesus is and what that means for us who believe in him. Would you transform our hearts and our minds from the inside out, Lord, and would you be glorified this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's remember the context, what's going on, right? We're in the book of John. Uh, last week, Pastor Mike taught on the woman caught in adultery and how Jesus restored a sinner. But remember, he's doing this in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, this feast where the Jews would celebrate God's provision and guidance during their wilderness journey. And so they're in the middle of this feast, and, and Jesus has been kind of really public, but he guys goes covert for a bit, and then he shows up at this feast, and he starts making some pretty profound claims about who he is. Right, so the Gospel of John 
is the Apostle John's kind of like dissertation, his apologetic to kind of show us who Jesus is, right? Lee Strobel wrote a book called The Case for Christ. Well, the book of John, the Gospel of John is John's case for Christ as he show us who, shows us who Jesus is. Uh, later on in John 20, verse 31, John writes a purpose of this book. He says, these things have been written to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name, right? This is the purpose of the book of John. And so John's been painting this picture over the last kind of few chapters of, of, of kind of like remembering back to Israel's journey through the wilderness, being freed from slavery from Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. And now he's trying to show us how Jesus is the better and the, and the fulfillment of those things. Right, and so we saw it with the feeding of the 5,000, right? That pointed back to when God provided manna in the wilderness, the, the bread of life, right? And Jesus says, no, I am the bread of life, right? Then we see Jesus walking on water, which pointed back to Moses parting the Red Sea. And then we see now Jesus has authority over the sea, Right, during the, the water pouring ceremony at the end of the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles last, uh, was it two weeks ago, right, we saw like as they're pouring the water that's, that's representing God providing rock, water from the rock, Jesus says that anyone who believes in me, uh, rivers of living water will, will, will come forth from them. And so here at the close of the Feast of Tabernacles, there's another great ceremony. Right here in this passage, this is where we're at. We're at the Feast of Tabernacles, and there's another uh, ceremony, and it's called the Illumination of the Temple. Right, which involved the, the ritual lighting of four oil-fed lamps in the court of women, which was the largest court in the temple of Israel. These lamps were huge. So when you're thinking about a lamp, you're probably thinking about like that lamp you bought at Walmart or Target. No, 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 no. These things were 75 feet high. Just think about that. You had, they had to be lit by a ladder. I'm assuming like the oil lamps were probably as big as those lights. Like, I mean, the oil, like big old pots of oil. These things were massive and then they, they got lit up. Um, and then when they were lit, the temple was actually inlaid with gold. And so when these huge flames were lit, the whole temple would shine. And it would be so bright that you could see this glow from anywhere in the city. It was a magnificent sight. And it is here as the temple was being lit for all the city to see with the massive dancing flames lighting up the darkness that Jesus stands up in the middle of the court and declares, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. See, we believe Jesus is the light and we know him as our light, right? And so John is trying to show us who Jesus really is. So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? They did some interviews um, on the streets of New York and they were asked who Jesus is. So let's see what they said real quick and then we'll come right back. Historical figure? I don't know. <laughs> I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person like us? He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was marketing genius because he got people to believe him. I don't, I don't think he's the son of God. I don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm pretty sure he existed, like I'm not going to say that he didn't exist. He was God's son, but so was Gandhi, and so was Muhammad, and so was, you know, we're all God's children. Jesus is someone 
I pray too. Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Um, and he, to me, is the like symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that like constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened, like religiously and morally. Was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others. And I, I think that's just a lot of love and, and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just, he, he was God and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. All right, all right. So, man, some of those answers were classic. Yeah, I think Jesus was a person. All right, yeah, no, cool. Yeah, you're, you're on to something there. Um, I, was he a man? Yeah, cool, okay, getting warmer, right? Um, you know, go New York. Anybody from New York? You guys just got represented pretty hard there. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so my favorite was the pigeon guy. You know, it was like, oh, if David Copperfield was alive back then, he'd be Jesus. Totally, yeah, I mean, totally, okay. Um, so who is Jesus, right? And so I, I love it in this passage right here because, you know, a lot of people have their opinions on who Jesus is. Even in scripture, we've seen some of them. Um, but today we're going to see who Jesus tells us who he is. Are we going to let Jesus speak for himself? And he's actually going to tell the religious leaders who he is and all who are gathered in the temple who he is. And then we're going to look at their response. All right, so Jesus is claiming to be the light of the world. And as we read earlier, if you guys are actually reading along with me, the responses of the Pharisees and the religious leaders was pretty aggressive. It was almost violent. It was like, you can't testify about yourself like that. Like, you can't say that, Jesus. Like, like you can't say those words. So why such a harsh resistance to his claim? Right? Well, it's because anyone who has studied the law, studied the Torah, who has studied Scripture right, would hear Jesus saying that something that most people wouldn't pick up at first glance. So we have to look at what the light has represented throughout Scripture and then see what Jesus is actually inferring when claiming to be the very light they were celebrating. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. See, we see light being this creative agent that brings order out of darkness and chaos. At the beginning of creation, the light dawned upon the world. Right, John tells us earlier, speaking of Jesus, that the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Colossians tells us that for by him all things were created, both in, in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. That Jesus, he is the creating light of life. So we see that creation, it opens up with this, this light creating life. And from that life, just a couple verses later in Genesis, we see God create man and woman, Adam and Eve, to know him, to love him, worship him, and obey him. He creates humanity in his image to know and love and then co-rule and reign the world together. And he says this, would you trust me as your king and your father? This whole world is yours. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is yours. 
But instead of trusting their king, they allowed the darkness of deception to enter their heart. And instead of trusting the king of light, they listened to the enemy of darkness. And instead of trusting God, they wanted to be God. They wanted to define right and wrong for themselves, good and evil for themselves. And so they rebelled against God. They didn't listen to him. And this open rebellion and disobedience to God is called sin. This sin is what brought darkness and brokenness into our world. See, sin is living against God. It's not trusting God. See, sin desensitizes our minds and our hearts to God's good rule and reign in our lives, which all people have done. See, this is why we lie. This is why we steal. Right? This is why people cheat on their spouses. Right? This, is, this is why people hurt one another. This is why people care about themselves more than anyone else. It's sin. It's darkness. But you see, God is light. First John says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. See, Adam and Eve, they had a relationship with the light. They lived in the light, but in their sin and their desire to live for themselves and disobey God, they sinned. And that sin fractured the cosmos. And it brought brokenness and darkness into this world that we've been experiencing ever since. But see, in the garden, God made a promise that one day someone would come, the son of man who would crush the serpent of darkness and bring people back to the light, the Messiah who would come to save his people. And see, this is what we see in the story of Scripture, God calling a people to carry the seed of the son of man who would bring his people back to the light. Later in the book of Exodus, we see God call to Moses from the burning bush, a bright light, full of light, a bush speaking. It's God's presence represented by light speaking to Moses. Then God redeems and he rescues the people out of Israel, out of slavery, right? A nation of, of the nation of Egypt that was actually covered in darkness at the time for being in rebellion against God. And then we see God's presence show up in a pillar of fire and lead his people out. A great light of fire leading them through the wilderness. Then God's presence shows up on Mount Sinai. The Shekinah glory, his very presence shines so brightly it burns the mountain. And when Moses would meet with the light, his face would glow. Just a few pages later, God's presence comes and it dwells in the tabernacle. A shining light so bright for all to see that God's presence dwells in the nation of Israel. And every time Moses would meet with him, his face would shine so bright he had to veil his face. Later, the temple was built and God's presence dwelt there and it would shine brightly, his glory, showing the world that the presence of God dwells in Israel. But just like Adam and Eve, the people of God, instead of living in the light, living in holiness, living in honesty and truth, love, and in accordance with God's commands, they went and they saw the darkness of the world and they were lured by it. They were tempted to be like the world, to live in darkness hiding their sins in the dark while maintaining their religiosity in the light. All the gods of the world, they looked so fun, they looked so good, they brought them so much pleasure. But what they didn't know was that those things, those gods, those pleasures that they would indulge in the darkness were only leading them into a deeper darkness of the mind, heart, and soul and leading them away from God. Oh, how alluring the enticing the dark deeds of the world are. They're propped up as light. See, remember, Satan himself, the prince of darkness, comes as an angel of light. So it's very common for the enemy to put up things in a way that look good, that look like light, but all the while working for the kingdom of darkness. 
Eventually, after the people of God rebelled so much, God's presence could not dwell in Israel anymore. It could not dwell with them anymore. So his light left. His light could not dwell, and so it left. They were literally setting up idols in the same place that they'd be worshiping God, and so God's presence departed. The light left Israel, and the world was in darkness. The nation that was called to carry God's light into the world was walking in darkness just like the world so God's light, his presence left, and there was darkness in the land. Earlier, when the people of Israel were in exile and in the midst of their rebellion, God sent prophets. One of those prophets, his name is Isaiah, gave them a little bit of hope, and he spoke of the Messiah that was promised in the garden who would come and save his people. He said that the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And then later God, speaking of the Messiah, says, And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. See, this coming Messiah would be the delivering light of the world. And then centuries later, at a Feast of Tabernacles, when Israel would be celebrating, remembering when God had promised to send a light to a sin-darkened world, to send the Messiah to renew God's glory, to release them from bondage, to restore their joy, as the light from the lanterns began to illuminate the temple, shining for all the city to see a miracle man, a so-called prophet, so-called Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, steps into the temple courts and proclaims, I am the light of the world. I will lead you out of darkness. I will lead you out of slavery. I will lead you through the wilderness and I will lead you to the promised land. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness anymore. And more than just proclaiming to be the Messiah, the promised light of the world, he was claiming to be God, the very light and the presence of God. And, and we have him here in the flesh and he's declaring, I'm the light of the world. And we see this great I am statement. Like, okay, well, he's just saying I am. Like, oh, cool, I am Danny. What, what's the big deal? Now, see, there's a particular way to say I am in the Greek. It's very common, right? It's Amy, right? But then there's the divine I am, which is ego Amy, right, which is only reserved for God. Only God would ever say this. It would only be translated into the Greek this way when God says it. That I am who I am, this term Yahweh, this divine phrase, Jesus is now declaring the divine, I am the light of the world. He is saying, I am the light of life. I am the creating force of all things. I am the light who leads people out of darkness. I'm the very presence of God that's shown on Mount Sinai, that's shown in the tabernacle, that's shown in the temple. See, Jesus is not just a person. He's not just a man. He's not just a moral teacher, an enlightened being. He is God become man who has come to lead his people out of darkness into light. This is who Jesus claims to be, and anything less falls short. You can imagine the uproar from the Pharisees hearing these claims from Jesus. Thinking, man, what, what audacity. How dare he say these things? Who does he think he is declaring to be God, the promised Messiah, the light of the nations, the light of the world? See, this is what's going on in this passage. Jesus is claiming the eternal divine name of God, calling people to believe on him saying that the same God who delivered you from Egypt is here. I'm going to deliver you. He is the light. He's the pillar of fire. He is the presence. And he's saying, believe on me. I am he. And so the Pharisees, they respond, like you can't testify about yourself. Right? You, need a, you need witnesses, right? In verse 18, right? He says, you need witnesses. But he says, I am the son of God. Like my witness is my father. Like he is all I need. 
if you only knew where I came from. Like, I was there when light began. I was there when this world was formed. If you only knew where I was from. I'm from the heavens. If you only knew where I was going, I'm going to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. I'm going to be risen again and ascend to the right hand of the Father. And I'm going to bring down the kingdom of heaven to earth. If you only know where I was from and where I am going, you would believe on me. But of course, people were still in the dark about this. And, and they're like, well, where is your father? And Jesus says, you don't, you don't know my father. You don't know me, so you don't know my father. Right? And he's talking to the religious rulers who were called to be the experts on God. And saying, you don't know God because I'm God the Son here and you have no idea. I'm the light of the world and you're still in darkness. And so verse 20, he says, these words that he spoke in the treasury, he taught them in the temple. And no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. And he said, I will go away and you will seek me, but you will die in your sins. Where I am going, you cannot come. Why? Because they were still in darkness. They didn't believe. But verse 24 says that unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And so I guess a question for some of us today is this, is have you believed? Have you believed on Jesus as the son of God? See, Jesus is the light come down into the dark world to light a path back to God. He, is the, he lived the life of light that we could never live. And so we check this out. This is what we have to see here as Jesus is showing himself as the light of the world. We have all sinned against a holy God, a holy God. We've all went into darkness. We've all enjoyed darkness rather than coming to the light. And we could never get out alone. We couldn't see and so Jesus had to come and make a way. See, the consequence of sin is death and an eternity of darkness and suffering in a place called hell. See, we couldn't pay the price for our redemption, so Jesus died for us on the cross, and he experienced ultimate darkness, separation from God. He took the penalty for our sins, our judgment, and the death that we deserved, but then he rose again, and he, he defeated sin and death so that he could bring us back to light. He can bring us back to himself, back to our God. And Jesus is saying today, to those of you who have not placed your trust in the light of the world, to come into the light, to turn from your sin. He wants to forgive you. He wants to make you new. Don't be ashamed. Jesus took your shame on the cross. Come to him. Believe on him. And receive the light of the world into your life as Lord. Verse 28, Jesus says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. See, when Jesus died for our sins and rose again, he proved to be the light of the world, the God Son come to redeem all who would put their faith in him, but we have to believe. You have to believe, but that's it. See, you can't earn it, you can't buy it. It is a free gift to be received. It is a message of grace to be believed on. And I assume that most of us in here have done this, that we've trusted in the light of the world, that we claim to be his followers, but here's the thing. When Jesus says that I am the light of the world, he also says that whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And see, I've seen this in my own life and I've seen this in those that I walk with, that there's a temptation, there's a tendency for followers of Jesus to actually go back and try and walk in the darkness which they were freed from. But as followers of Jesus, we follow him as our light and we don't walk in darkness. Anybody ever try to be something they're not? 
You don't have to raise your hand on this one. It's okay. You can keep it down. Um, anyone ever try to be something that they're not? Like, uh, you know, there's a term, a poser, right? You know what you're talking about. Okay. So there are times in our lives where we try to be something we're not. There was a time in my life that I thought I was like a little gangster. I thought, you know, for a little moment, you know, I had my little fresh Nikes on, baggy jeans, oversized jacket. You know, I thought I was all that. You know, I pretty much, I just watched 8 Mile once and I uh, thought I could rap. Um, and, uh, and so in my mind, I might look at my clothes. Like, you know, and I thought I was this, this thing I wasn't at all, um, right? And so I think a really easy place to do this nowadays is social media because you can take a couple pictures of yourself doing something and being like, look at that, look at me. Look what I do, right? Like hey, you can take a picture of you maybe in your Costco surfboard, you know, and be like, oh, I'm a surfer. Boom. Like I'm pulling a point all day. What, what? And when I'm brave, I go to chuns. You know what I'm saying? And so there's these moments. Hey, I just described my surf career, so I'm not hating over here. Um, you remember that, that, that one time that you wore cowboy boots to the rodeo and you're like, I'm a cowboy, woo, you know, or like, you know, wore your, your boots out with the girls line dancing. You're like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, you know, the one that I see a lot, you know, is maybe you just started working out. I'm getting back in shape. And then you post that after workout sweaty picture. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, I just worked out. I'm a beast, you know. And you're like, oh, you know, like Sean T, whatever, right? And so you're, you're all in it to win it. And we're, we're, we're posing these things out there, pretending to be something that maybe you are, maybe you're not. No judgment. Um, and, you know, and here's the thing is I've probably done all of those things except the cowboy thing. That's not me. Um, but here's the thing. There's, there's something worse than all of these things, right? And it's when Christians try to pose as the world. When a child of God tries to pose as the world. And you're like, well, why would a, why would a Christian really do that? Like, why would they do that? Really? Like, why would a Christian want to pretend something, to be something they're not, just to fit in? Like, haven't all of us done that in some way, shape, or form? So the question we'll be asking ourselves today is this. Where am I pretending to be like the world? Are there places that I'm dipping my toes into darkness in order to be accepted by the world, to have the goods and the possessions of the world, to have the pleasures of the world? Jesus says in verse 23, speaking to the unbelieving leaders, he says, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world, but I'm not of this world. See, the light of the world is not of the world. He's the light. He's not of it. He's cut from a different cloth. So see, if Jesus is the light and we're following him and not walking in darkness, that means we will not walk in the ways of the world. See, the world is deceived. We're living in darkness is normal. First John 5 says that we know that we are of God, but that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Right? It doesn't matter how happy and how shiny and how successful and put together they seem, they are under the power of the evil one. See, the temptation as the people of God is, has always been to walk in the ways of the world, to walk in darkness. Right? And that's not just walking in evil, that's walking in ignorance, ignorance of the truth. See, we know the truth. The world doesn't have the truth, and that's a big difference. And we can forget when we interact with unbelievers day to day, right, in our home, at work, right, that they don't have the light. Like, they don't have the truth. They see the world completely differently than we do. They might be great workers, great friends, great families, but their world still revolves around their desires, their wants, they're being formed and shaped by the world's narrative, by the culture's narrative, who says that they are God and they get to define right and wrong for themselves. 
But we know that's deception, that they're in the dark, grasping for purpose, grasping for joy, for a fulfillment that they're not going to find because the joy and fulfillment that they're looking for is not of this world. His name is Jesus. See, it is God who actually makes sense and brings joy to life's experiences to the fullest. Without him, those things are a flash in the pan, a moment of artificial light that warms them for a moment but leaves them cold and in despair when that thing is gone. And so here's the thing. We can fall into that same trap and be lured back into that same type of living, living as though we haven't seen the light, wrapping up our lives and our pursuits and our desires and the ways of the world. And see, the tragic thing is when, a, when as believers who have seen the light of Christ, who've received his spirit, who have become a child of God, go back into the world and pose as a child of the world in order to reap whatever benefits they're getting from the world. Feigning ignorance, pretending to be something you're not. And so what does it mean for Jesus to be the light of the world and those who've already placed their faith in him? But it means that we no longer walk in darkness that we've seen the great light, that we've had his creative power give us new life. We no longer walk in the ways of the world. And so the hard-hitting questions is where are we allowing ourselves to slip back into walking in darkness? Where in our lives do we look more like the world than like Christ? See, it's easy for the believer to show up on, on, at church on Sunday and have the right answers to the Sunday morning questions. Right? Hey, how, how, you know, how are you doing? How is your week, how's your week going? You're like, oh, busy. Super busy, but I'm good. You know, I'm just abiding in the vine, you know. I'm just bearing my cross, carrying my cross, walking in the victory. Right, we have these kind of like preloaded answers. We kind of know what to say. Right, like how's life? You know, I'm just super blessed. Like just hashtag blessed, right? Hashtag key greater than I, right? We have all these things kind of ready to go. Well, how can I be praying for you? Well, I'm, I'm honestly great. I'm so blessed. Like, but you can pray for my meemaw, right, my grandma. Like, she needs help. You can pray for her. And okay, I'll get it. I'll, I'll pray for your grandma, but how can I pray for you? You're like, man, I'm, I'm honestly good, but my cousin Billy, that guy, man, right? And so we have, like, these kind of, we know the lingo. We know what to say. And it's like, like all of us don't have issues we can actually get prayer for, right? If you feel like your life's all put together and you've got everything under control, you're probably more in the dark than you know. See, we need Jesus. We, need, we should be a very dependent people upon our God, recognizing that we are in a battle against the kingdom of darkness, a battle for souls. We should always have prayer requests ready to fire off because we're in a battle for our own sanctification, for the sanctification of those around us, and for the salvation of all God has put in our life who do not know him. But we know the lingo, right? So we can play in the dark during the week, but say everything we need to on Sunday or at small group. Right? God is good all the time, all the time. Oh, got you. See, we know the lingo, right? We know how to appear better than maybe we really are doing, appear a little bit more holy than maybe we're really walking. But see, this is the one place that we should be able to be honest, to be open, to bring our mess into the light as a family. But instead, we say our God is goods and our praise the Lord's and then maybe even unknowingly slip back into a week of compromising your character at work. Or compromising in that relationship that you know is going too far. Or in that secret habit that you've become numb to. Or that place that you run to instead of God when the lights go out. See, I think the hard part about playing in the dark is that our eyes end up adjusting over time. See, in the beginning, it's kind of hard. It's a little bit difficult. It's uncomfortable because we're in the dark. Right, but little by little, we get used to seeing in the dark, operating in the dark. And sooner or later, we don't even realize we're in the dark until somebody turns the light on. 
See, this is how sin works in our lives. Jesus isn't saying that if you come to me, if you follow me as a believer, that you'll never get to sin again. No, it's that you're not going to walk in darkness. It will not become your lifestyle. It will not be something that you go to regularly, go in and feel comfortable, and you shouldn't. But here's the thing. Most of us know that experience of maybe backsliding or falling into a reoccurring sin and allowing it to normalize where we get used to the dark only to be confronted later. Either busted in your sin or God gives you a way out or by the grace of God he convicts you and you repent, you turn from your sin and you bring it into the light. See, for some of us, there's that thing that we go to in the dark because you do not want to be seen in the light doing that thing. Either wait till everyone's going to sleep or you go somewhere else so you're not seen. Or you go into dark mode or incognito mode on your phone. And even though the screen might be bright, it's an easy place to hide. Right? It's easy to hide the things that we do online. Today, Jesus in his grace is reminding everyone in this room that he is the light of the world. That if you belong to him, you should no longer walk in darkness. Not because he's trying to be a taskmaster or a killjoy. Because we're walking in the dark and we can't see the oncoming cliff we're about to fall off. And he's trying to shine a light on these things that are harming us and are leading us away from him. See, God and his goodness, Jesus and his absolute love are saying, you might be having fun playing in the dark, but it's leading to destruction. Right? It's harming you now and it's bringing a greater harm in the future. And I don't care how little it seems, how small it seems, because what you sow is what you reap. If you sow into darkness, you will reap darkness. Eventually you will be found out and there will be consequences because you are a child of light that is not who you are. You're posing as a child of darkness that is not who you are. And God and his goodness and his grace will not let you be there forever. There will be consequences. See, I tell this to my kids all the time. I'm saying, cool, you might get away with one lie. You might get away with two. You might even get away with three. But here's the thing. One day you're going to get comfortable and you're going to tell a really big lie. And then you're going to have to deal with this consequence that's so big, that hurts so many people, that it's going to destroy you. So bring it into the light. Confess quickly. Bring that first lie and say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm sorry I lied. See, the scariest consequence of walking in darkness, the scariest response is not being busted is being allowed to live in that darkness for a while where God hands you over to your sin and he lets it deal with you until it grows so much that it almost destroys you before you turn to God. Nobody wants that. You don't want that. See, though this message is for everyone in the room, it is very specifically for some people who have allowed a dark living in their lives who have allowed sin to live in the dark, to fester in the dark, to allow this ongoing thing to continue. And Jesus, being the light, is exposing that today and saying, hey, I am your light, I am your God, and I will give you everything you need. Turn from that sin and follow me. Don't walk in darkness anymore. That's not who you are. Stop pretending to be something you're not. You will never be comfortable in that space. Bring it into the light. Receive forgiveness and be restored. Yes, it might hurt a little. Yes, it might be a little hard. Yeah, it might even be a little embarrassing. But healing will begin. Restoration will take place. But you're not of the world. So stop pretending. See, the hard part is that most people work around unbelievers. Right? And so we're in the world all the time, right? And it's easier to kind of have one foot in the dark and one foot in the light, kind of compromising our faith right, walking in this middle line so we can be accepted by our friends or our co-workers and yet still try to be a Christian. And Jesus is saying that if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. See, that we've actually been put into those spaces to be a, a reflection and a representative of his light. But the more we compromise, the more ineffective we become. 
the more we drift into darkness. See, it is a slow and steady drift into living into the night until our eyes adjust over time and we don't even realize we're living in the dark. Christian, is there an area in your life that looks more like the world than the kingdom? Are there secret sins in your life that you are hiding thinking they are not hurting anyone? Today is the day to surrender that. See, one of the reasons Jesus came is because he knew we were going to sin. Like he knew we were going to fall and we are going to fail. Like not just before we're Christians, but after that. Like that when he went to the cross and he died for our sins, he paid for them past, present, future. That we are covered by his grace and by his righteousness. And even though we trip and stumble, the Bible says that a righteous man will fall seven times, but he will get back up. But the wicked will, will stumble and stay in their calamity. And so when we get up today after falling, we put our hand in the hand of Jesus and he leads us onward by his light. See, Christian, you have been saved. You've been made new. You've been given the spirit of God. You've been given all things in Christ. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are yours. This life and the next life is to be spent with Jesus himself. The very presence of God is yours. You've been given the family of God, the blessings of God, the name of God. But we can be convinced that that's not enough. And the world and this darkness and its messages lures us away from being in God's presence. And like Israel, we go into the world and we worship the gods of the world, the false lights of this world. Pretending to be something we're not. Faking ignorance in the dark where God's like, no, 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 I've rescued you. Like I've saved you from slavery to darkness. Like why are you going back to that thing? Putting on chains, pretending to be something that you're not. You've been freed. Those chains have been broken. That is not who you are anymore. You are a child of light. You've been given my spirit. You've been given power to overcome darkness, to press back the kingdom of darkness and bring in my marvelous light. Colossians says that God rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. See, the light of Jesus Christ came down to free us. Don't go but running back to the domain of darkness. See, it's easy to keep that back door open to that dark room to hide and put our night vision goggles on to pretend to be something we're not, but that's just not who we are anymore. And this is hard because, see, I feel those pulls like, I feel them. I see those pulls on people that I love in my life. I've seen them with friends and family who get pulled so hard, they actually go back to the world's sin and pleasures after seemingly walking with the Lord. And, and I don't get that. I'm like, God, did they not know you? And it just goes to show how powerful and strong this lure can be. That if we're, if we're not walking in the light and bringing our sin into the light. See, walking in the light doesn't mean that we're never going to sin. It means that when we do sin, we bring it into the light. 1 John 8 and 9 says that if we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. See, walking in the light means that we get with brothers and sisters who we trust regularly, that we share and confess our sins and we ask for prayer, we get accountable, we bring it into the light. We don't go running back to our sin. Jesus loves you and he forgives you. Walk in the light. See, there's a reason why this comes right after the woman caught in adultery. See, in, in that story, we see a woman dragged into the middle of this court, full of shame, thrown on the floor before Jesus in the middle of the temple, her sin exposed for all to see. And the light of the world stands before her and proclaims, you without sin cast the first stone. And I could just imagine this woman 
on the ground, her eyes closed in shame before the Lord, and all she hears is the thud, thud, thud of stones dropping as one by one, each person who knew they had sin left. And Jesus lifts her head, and she looks into the eyes of her God, and he says, where are those who condemn you? Where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. See, this is the message that you have been forgiven, you have been saved. We were all brought before Jesus in our sin, exposed, and Jesus lifts our heads, he looks into our eyes, and he says, where are your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Don't go back to the things that will break your heart and mind. Don't go back to the things that will break your soul and break your spirit that will never satisfy the eternal longing that God has intended. Don't go back. I'm forgiving you. I'm cleansing you. I will take all your shame on the cross. Go and sin no more because life with Jesus is where true life and freedom are found. And so let's follow Jesus, our light, out of slavery to darkness, like the light in the wilderness, and fall him back into the faithful and caring hands of our God. Now here's the thing. As we follow Jesus, not only are we called to not walk in darkness, but we're called to carry the light of life into our world. Verse 28 says, Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And then he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. See, the incredible thing about Jesus is that the same presence of God that dwelt with Israel in the pillar of fire and in the tabernacle was now there in him. But even when he rose from the dead and resurrected to the right hand of the Father, he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. And what we see in this passage is Jesus explaining he is the one that is one with the Father. He is one with the Father, and the Father has never left him alone, and he only does what he sees the Father doing. Later on, we see that we are given his Spirit. We get to have that same access, that same type of relationship that Jesus has with the Father, we now get to have with him. He never leaves us alone. And we only do what we, he, we see him doing. Well, that's the goal. And as Jesus says in verse 12, it says that if we, if we follow him, that we will have the light of life, that we have Jesus, we have his Holy Spirit. The presence of God that used to dwell in the pillar of fire and in the temple now dwells in the people of God. See, that is us, church. See, here Jesus is saying that he is the light of the world. But let us not forget the charge from our Messiah in the Sermon on the Mount where he says that you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket but on a lampstand for all the house to see. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, we are now the light of the world because we carry the light of life. And see, I know that some of us struggle and we can forget sometimes our role as the light of the world. I mean, it's hard every day. I got to remind myself, oh yeah, I'm a child of God. Oh yeah, I'm an ambassador of God. I've been called and sent on mission to show Christ to the world by how I love, by how I live, by how I work, by how I share Christ with others, by how I enjoy God and all of life. I'm not worshiping the gifts he's given me, but I'm worshiping God for those gifts and then I'm using them for his kingdom and his glory. 
See, like Moses met with God and his face shone and he had to veil it up. See, Paul says that we now behold Christ with unveiled faces and that we get to reflect his glory to the world, that we carry his presence. We carry Jesus, the life-creating, life-producing potential that has the power to change our world. It has the power to change our family, our work environment. We can bring God's truth and his love into our work meetings. We can walk in holiness in such a way that the world's head turns. It says, that's actually attractive. Like, I don't like living in the dark. I don't like living in the dirt. You see, Jesus was the holiest person who ever walked the earth, but he attracted the dirtiest characters. Our lives should be this, an attractive flame pointing to Jesus, a life that's inviting, that's warming, that's enlightening, that's life-giving. These should be the characteristics and the traits that we carry as the people of God. That our church, North Shore Christian Fellowship, should be a light on the hill. We should be known for how we stand for truth, by how we love our enemies, by how we love those who are trapped in darkness, love those who don't think like us, love those who who are, are lost in the dark. We're not casting stones at them. We're not hurling accusations. They're lost. And we're called to be the light, to go out into the darkness, shining bright, bringing people back to Jesus, the light. So let us not get wrapped up in the mission of self, We were reminded that we've been called into the mission of God and his redemptive plan to seek and save the lost. There are people around us, everywhere in our lives, who are in desperate need for light, who are living in the dark and are headed to an eternity of darkness. We have the light. So let us love in a way that they would listen to us, that they would want to hear us, they would want to be around us without compromising, speaking truth and love and praying that God would give them light to see the glory of Christ. And that our lives would be the greatest witness towards those ends. So the easiest way to not fall back into darkness, Christian, is to be on mission with the light of the world. On mission with Jesus. See, when I'm proactively living for Jesus, with Jesus, seeking out ways to bring his light into my world, the darkness doesn't seem as tempting. It's not as alluring. Because I'm so occupied about how I can walk in the light and bring his light into my spaces. How I can share, love, serve people around me in a way that Christ is glorified where people get to know God. And so we need to walk in the light. We need to walk with the light. How do we do this? Well, we need, first, we need to be in our word. We need to be listening to God. We open up our word. We let him speak to us. We let the Holy Spirit illuminate truth which transforms our minds. We need to spend time in the community of light, this community, the church, and Ohana groups or men's ministry or small group, whatever. But we're gathering regularly together so we can remind each other that we are not children of the dark, but we are people of the light. And we get to bring things into the light and find healing. And so now as, as Christ's ambassadors, we get to be those pillars of the light in the wilderness, in the darkness, leading people back to him. And so today, let us believe and know Jesus as the light. Come to him, pray to him, be with him, walk with him, where we no longer walk in the darkness, but we follow Jesus, the light, through the wilderness of this world, all the while carrying his light to those he's placed in our lives. Let us walk in the light. Let us live with the light. And let us share his light with others. Amen.